Deep in the farthest recesses of the most distant jungle lies a city. A city populated by the most mysterious, terrifying, and downright grotesque denizens ever seen by mortal eye. Here, in the darkened corners of this cavernous locale sits an ordinary, average brick building with an innocuous, ordinary, average, blinking neon sign which reads, On Air. It is here where each week, Seth Breedlove and Mark Matsky convene to discuss the greatest mysteries the world has ever known. Now, strap on your hiking boots, grab your trusty walking stick, and don't forget the bug spray as we begin our journey through Monsteropolis. I just realized that's like. <laughs> I just realized it's actually Friday the Thirteenth. Yeah. <laughs> that was totally coincidental. Oh, um, really? I'm still, I'm like halfway out of the screen on this. So we're doing this. Uh, this is Monstropolis, a show about anomalies, legends, and monsters. I'm one of your hosts. My name is Seth Breedlove. I'm awkwardly sitting next to my pal. Yeah, we're closer than usual. Mark Maskey. Hello. Uh, for video viewers of um, Monstropolis, we're still trying to get some sort of setup that makes sense, and this is not it. <laughs> like, I can just, it's almost easier for me to look at the screen to yeah. see how you're reacting than it is for me to do this. That is true. Um, we're we're going to do it this week this way, and then I'm going to set something <laughs> up next week. I was trying to, I got in here early today, and this was like going to be my goal, and then I got distracted by something. <laughs> um. Okay, I was going to say, okay, a uh, couple things real quick. Uh, if you're a member of Small Town Monster Squad, you can watch Monsteropolis, the video show. Um, people really loved, it's actually the most viewed thing we've done since launching Squad. Was the episode what? 100 Monsteropolis. Yeah. No. Yeah, by a long shot. It's the <laughs> most, most viewed thing. It's like got <laughs> double the views of everything else. Wow. Um, so people obviously like that. Um, if you're a listener and you don't know what I'm talking about, go on our YouTube channel, click the join tab on the main page and then select. Honestly, any membership includes Monstropolis. So uh, even the six dollar tier or whatever has has the video versions of the show, which I've heard from some people is worth the price of subscription alone. So you get a video version of Monstropolis. You get a my stomach's going to be growling this whole uh, show. Um, that's uh, Oddly appropriate, it is. given the subject matter. Um, the uh, Small Town Monster Squad podcast is a part of that as well. And then you get the production diaries posthumously. I know that's the wrong, the wrong <laughs> way to put that, but that's how I'm putting after, it. After, uh, after, after we're dead. You're dead, they will <laughs> gradually appear. <laughs> that's kind of a cool setup, actually. Yeah. Um, so... So yeah, so Small Town Monster Squad, there you go. Uh, the other thing I want to mention real quick, and this pertains to you, and um, uh, we are doing a, we haven't announced this yet, and I'm posting this today. So our listeners and squad viewers are going to be the first person to know this. We are posting completely free, probably sometime around Thanksgiving, a director's cut of Beast of Whitehall, um, which will include completely... Uh, new narration from Mark Matsky. Wow. Um, 
and a recut version. I'm, I'm actually, it's funny. I thought I had it recut yesterday. I came in, I knew what I wanted in. Mm-hmm. Some of it's actually been done because we're taking some of the case files episode and adding that in. But, um, I started working on it in the morning and I was still working on it when we left in the afternoon. And then I came in today and worked on it a little bit more. There's what, what looks like right around 11 minutes worth of new stuff being added in some of it just helps with context and mm-hmm. understanding the the story a little bit better there's a better setup for like bill brand there's a better setup for paul bartholomew and, and personalizes them a little bit more mm-hmm. i know that was intentional in the first cut of that movie that that the the only person you really learn about was brian but it, i have always felt like it it's a weird it's a weird thing that we're the only personal, the only person you really learn about as a human being is Brian. Right. So I'm trying to personalize a little bit more and introduce those people better. And then there's a little bit about the UFO wave that happened around the area. Mm-hmm. I don't want to go too deep into it, but we expand on some things. I don't think we're just adding junk in for the sake of adding junk in. Mm-hmm. Um, it's going to be completely free. We're putting it up on YouTube and uh, everyone can watch it. This will be accompanied by a 20, it's like a 25 minute walk around of a bear road, um, on the squad with Bill and Brian. Um, cause what you see in the movie, which is Bill and Brian walking around a bear road, that's only a quarter of what we actually shot. So, uh, Aaron's been working on that this week. Uh, so he was getting that together and it's like a 25 minute walk around of a bear road mm-hmm. where they talk about the sighting. And it's interesting cause Brian, keeps contradicting bill and bill keeps contradicting Brian (laughs) and they go back and forth on it a lot. And that's kind of cool. Um, so that's coming as well. And then obviously this is all part of the lead up to on the trail of Bigfoot, the journey, which comes out in March. Um, this is a small town monsters podcast, by the way. So I'm talking about these things because it pertains. It's official. Yeah. There's nothing. There's this is the off putting about it. Official podcast. Um, you should, you, you know, you should do is have like a, behind the scenes featurette of just reaction shots to us walking around Paul Bartholomew's um, library, his what, personal library. What is this? Did this come from you? Do you know? No. Jackson, Tennessee. Major crimes unit? Yeah. No, that was it's literally, he was just sitting here. I don't know where wow. this came from. Man in black thing happening. Uh, this is in this real would time. be our second time that's happened. Yes. Uh, Okay, so anyway, that's the big announcement is we're completely free for everyone. Uh, Beast of Whitehall, um, Director's Cut will be on YouTube. If you don't like the Director's Cut, you can buy the DVD or you can watch the original cut on Prime or whatever. Please don't threaten to sue us, which is what happened the last time I put something up free on Prime or free on YouTube. Uh, We had someone threaten a lawsuit um, because they had bought the movie at some point. Wow. Yeah. Petty. Um, so anyway, let's well, talk. That's a, exciting. I'm, I'm excited about this. Um, I'm excited too. Whitehall. The script is in there and I was supposed oh. to email it to you. And I think I forgot, or I may have <laughs> yeah. accidentally emailed it to Adrian, which is something that happens very often when I'm trying to email you things. <laughs> She'll get like forwarded letters from Monstropolis. <laughs> uh, we're talking about, okay. So this week's episode is all about, um, well, we're starting with, we're recording two episodes but this is uh this is episode 101 mm. which is titled the blood sucker yes i don't know i don't the goat the goat the eater. sucker of goats yeah let's not <laughs> uh, 
Uh, Goat lollipop. Uh, uh, it's getting worse. <laughs> We're getting worse. The, uh, yeah, we've been asked for a long time to do like a movie about Chupacabra. Um, and I just started, as is my way, as I am wont to do, I started do, doing my research around 7 o'clock this morning. <laughs> You've probably spent the better part of the week at a guess. I've been doing some things. Uh, reading about Chupacabra. So where do we start, Mark? Where do we start? Well, the I name? think... Sure. Well, the, the name... Before we do that, I, I we've been asked to do Chupacabra. And after doing the little bit of looking into it that I have. Mm -hmm. It's interesting. I think we, it, it's possible. I think there's people out there. See, that's the thing about this whole subject and case is that it's so recent mm -hmm. is that out of just about everything that we've covered, we'd have the best chance of talking to actual witnesses and investigators who really went there not long after the events transpired. So it, it, it has some intrigue to it as far as, uh, like a closer to the original events STM film than we've typically done. Yeah. I, I thought that too, when I was reading about it, because um, 96 is where it really seems to spike. And I, and actually found, did you find the New York times article about that from 96? Oh no, I did not. So I read that this morning. I might even still have it on my web browser, but um, yeah, I found, I found the, uh, yeah, this is, so this is New York times. Um, January 26, 1996, and the article was titled Animals Killed, An Island is a Buzz. And it just uh, details the initial sightings of what they refer to as the chupacabra or goat sucker. Um, uh, yeah, Madeline, Ta do you want to say that? Do you know how to say that name? Madeline Tolentino, maybe? She's the one that comes up the most often when you're reading about it. What I read, I have read three articles mm -hmm. and I've watched the X-Files episode. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm sure at some point I've watched like some TV documentaries about, yeah. about the Chupacabra. Right. Um, and it's a very popular, it's a weird thing. One thing I was thinking about as I was looking at all this, so many of the monsters that, that we know of are tied to a region or a town, I guess is what you would say, but at least a, a small region typically. So you got, you know, like Beast of Whitehall or Beast of Bray Road or the Mothman and the Chupacabra is kind of like all encompassing, right? At least it's like Puerto Rico and, um, and then like the Southern United States, mm -hmm. the, the Southwestern United States. Right. Yeah. It, uh, that's one of the fascinating things about it is how it jumps. You know, you start with Puerto Rico, very, specifically and then that starts to from there the story and and alleged sightings go from mexico south america make their way up to southern united states and then from there it fans out you have sightings from maine to oregon really yeah now this was in the original like wave first wave of sighting reports coming in like 1996 so it, there's a lot and we'll we'll get to this today so I want to do this a little bit later, but it, it has a lot to say about how stories transmit from one place to another and, and how this in particular, this, this creature and the stories about it, um, how those were transmitted and broadcast because it, it dovetails with the rise of the internet. 
Hmm. It, there's a very clear line between that and the, the rise of being able to report things in real time. Chupacabra lines up with that so well. The other interesting thing about Chupacabra, and this is probably a good place for us to really start because we can talk about description. Yeah. Uh, but um, something that stands out about Chupacabra is there's a very, there's a very, there's two di- very different descriptions. Yes. Of Chupacabra. So, um, and they seem to change based on just United States versus, well, America, North yeah. America versus, versus uh, Puerto Rico. Correct. correct? Okay. Yes. Um, so you've got, you've got in Puerto Rico, it's sort of a, a lizard like creature with wings, like bat like wings mm-hmm. in some, in some descriptions. Um, that also initially was described in reading Madeline. She, she's sort of the first witness that's referenced. Um, she described it jumping, like leaping. Right. Um, and then in, the, in, in, in North America, it's like this dog-like creature with no fur. Right. Exactly. Okay. Yes. You can do a better job of describing those, <laughs> both of those. <laughs> well, yeah. And, but what you bring up, I think, is an extremely important point, And that is that the creature is does not seem to be related one to another. Mm. I can't see it. I mean, the, the Puerto Rican creature is so strange as to be. It, it doesn't seem to correspond to anything well mm-hmm. because of, like you said, it's it. It's somewhat analogous in size and shape to a kangaroo, but it has those wings. It's almost always described with having these like dorsal spikes down the back, almost Godzilla-like in in nature. Which you like? Which I yeah, that that I was on board the moment I heard that. Like, give me more. <laughs> this is why we're doing this episode. Yeah. <laughs> Where can I buy the vinyl figure? Yeah. <laughs> but um, the the face of it is the strangest element, and that's what really sets it apart. I think from the dog-like creatures that get a chupacabra label mm. is the face is almost always then described in terms of a gray alien with, mm-hmm. except the eyes are red and not just like a dull black, Right. but it's got these piercing large red eyes and the nose and mouth are just very, very small relative to the eyes, almost like just slits. And then, uh, just the the arms and legs that, that seems spindly and long, and as you said, the in the initial some of the initial reports, the motion of the creature is described in terms of bounding away or leaping, which gives it more of that kangaroo like sort of element to it. And the thing that's so interesting is like in the little bit of research that you and I both did, I I don't know if you found anything, but even though it's described as having wings, mm-hmm. I can't find, or I'm not aware of any, any reports where people actually see it flying. Okay. So let they, me look here. Cause I thought this one that I, that I had. And and they might, I mean, I don't know that maybe they do or don't, but it doesn't seem like the way that the wings are situated in the size of the creature, um, that it would lend itself to flight. Yeah. But that's, that sets up a, a weird contrast though in like hypotheses about what people might've actually seen. Because one thing that keeps coming up in real, in regard to that is a vampire bat. Mm-hmm. I, I can't find the article I was looking for. Cause I thought I did have one. The other interesting thing, I didn't hear you mention this and maybe you can correct me then, but the one um, 
the one article I was reading, and apparently it's the one I didn't save. There was a, a witness. It was a, a I want to say it was like a construction worker. And this would have been 96. Okay. Um, and he, I think he did claim it flew at him, but he described uh, glowing red eyes. Mm-hmm. Is that a common yeah. description? Yes. Because in the ar- initial wave of sightings in Puerto Rico, the, the red eyes, the glow, like self-glowing mm-hmm. was definitely a, a feature of that. Yeah. Do you, um, what, what do you think accounts for the change from, what, what do you, have you ever seen, is there another cryptid you can think of where you, it starts as one thing in one region and then gets dubbed the same thing in another region to this no. degree? No. And I think that I have a lot of cognitive dissonance about this because I don't know how it happened. I mm-hmm. would love to know how it happened that you get something that peculiar and right. weird as yeah. the original Chupacabra um, reports transferring that to just like a mangy coyote yeah and i don't know what now having said that the first time i was made aware the of the the change or the shift mm-hmm. was on uh the monster quest episode oh about chupacabra that's the first place that i heard that there's like a four-legged dog-like creature in the southern united states that people are calling chupacabra and i could not and i still can't figure out why except that it would it could you know conceivably be messing with people's livestock but even so um the method of of killing these the the animals is not analogous at all i mean in the case of the the goat sucker that it just seemed to be after blood It, it wasn't eating the flesh of the livestock of that i'm aware of whereas in the case of coyotes or dogs going after your chickens or your goats, they're going to be going after flesh, as far as I'm aware. Luis Guadalupe, that's that's his name, mm-hmm. it is in this article. Um, ugly as a demon and flew through the air ah, as okay. he and his brother-in-law fled for dear life. Wow. Two dozen other people here say they have seen it, a vampire-like predator mm-hmm. that they say killed scores of animals. Did you mention the tongue? Because that, no. comes, that comes into play here pretty heavily. And The interesting thing about this is this, this would be the first... I think one of the first articles is 96. So you're looking at in January right. of 96. So you're looking at the very beginning. Yeah, that's very early. Yeah. Um, uh, they, they talk about this long tongue that this thing has. Um, and I'm trying to find where they actually referenced it, but it doesn't say here. Um, but they talk about the tongue. And I think that the tongue comes into play because some of the animals that were being killed were in cages. And so they were caged. So something couldn't get into them. And this creature supposedly has this long, spindly tongue hmm. uh, that maybe was somehow grabbing them and puncturing, puncturing at potentially. A yeah, wow. which is super creepy if you <laughs> really think about how creepy yeah. that is. Yeah, um, the just the descriptions. Then, like you said, it's got the the weird, like almost like a dorsal fin down its back mm-hmm. or head. You know, like a cool mohawk, maybe even. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, and then, so where does the change? What time period? does the change from from this classic goat sucker become what what I think most North American people associate with with uh, Chupacabra, right? right? Am I wrong in thinking that? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, that's a great question mm. because I, I think that the switchover takes place sometime around the turn of the century. It has to be because, you know, Monster Quest is coming out by 
what is two thousand four or five, and or, or um, like cable TV is interested because that's how Nick Redfern gets involved. Is in two thousand and four, there's a show that he was working with that sent him to Puerto Rico, and by that time, I think that there was a distinction between the lizard-like creature and the dog-like creature. So it's it's somewhere in there, I think, because what you have happening. I mean, let, let's quickly timeline it. I mean, I heard like in some of the reading that I did, there's just these it's passing references made to the fact that in the 1970s there was a rash mm. around the, the the town is called M O C O. I don't know how mm. it would be pronounced per se, but um, there's the the Moco vampire. Huh. And nobody saw anything, but mm. there were livestock that were drained of blood. Same way. In the same way. Mm-hmm. But nobody saw anything and that sort of faded into the background. It wasn't until the 90s that things start getting sighted. So it, it really is in March of 95 that the original that the original dead animals are discovered. And then uh, some months pass into early 96 and then you start getting sightings of the alleged creature and it's it's by 96 then that the media gets involved and and all of a sudden i mean all these channels that exist at that time which is essentially television Mm -hmm. radio and the internet Mm -hmm. you know send this this is like the the original viral cryptozoology story okay and as it's funny as you're saying this i just had a memory because i'm old and i forget (laughs) things this just came to me so i very distinctly remember watching tv on on our table in the in the kitchen because we just would bring up the tv and we sit down we have rabbit ears and we and i've talked about this before the Mm -hmm. the station we got was wheeling we watched the wheeling tv news that's the only thing we got on our rabbit ears and there was a video, and you're going to remember this, I mm-hmm. guarantee it, of a car chasing one of these things down the road or of a truck chasing one of these things yeah. down the road. This, this was a big deal. So, And the fact that we were watching on one of those TVs, this had to have been in like 97, 98. Mm-hmm. Is that true? Yeah. Like, do you remember the video I'm talking about? Yeah, though? I do. Yeah, and, that, and they were talking about it being a chupacabra. Right. Mm-hmm. I just remembered that. Yeah. And they killed it. Did they kill it? There are stories of of them being killed mm-hmm. or people getting their hands on it for a while and it escapes hmm. and then other even better stories of the uh, u.s military yes. bases right. that the creature is taken there mm-hmm. or escaped from there you get into that type of of story but yeah i mean one of the stories is that it was either captured or killed how did ufology uh, get involved with this then well i think that um puerto rico has their own history of UFO sightings. Mm -hmm. Um, And I, and in some cases uh, even if I'm not mistaken, some either crashes or um, submerged objects like going into the ocean. So I think that it's a tenuous link of course, as it always is, Mm -hmm. but, but there were sightings of UFOs around this, this time kind of corresponding to the huge UFO flap uh, in Mexico City that was happening mm-hmm. around the same time. And that that's a huge theme, I think, that sort of underscores this whole story is sort of the rise of Latin America and their role in paranormal subjects. Mm-hmm. 
made possible by technology that hadn't existed before, but now did like uh, phone cameras and handheld video recorders. So we could, we could see those type of videos on the evening news or on sightings or wherever it was coming through in the media at that time. And all of a sudden, you know, Latin Americans had a voice in saying, here's what's happening down here, or here's what we're experiencing. How how much of that had to do with how much of the creature's popularity had has to do with X Files too, because the Goat Sucker episode is one of the earlier ones. If I'm not mistaken, it's got to be earlier because I watched it and I haven't watched much of X Files. Okay, like the first three seasons. Yeah, I right. Well, this is I think that was a little later, but I'm not sure. It has to be later actually. Yeah, the timeline doesn't make any sense. Right. But I, mean, I don't want to be super nerdy, but I think it might be like episode season six. Episode four, <laughs> season six. <laughs> Written by. Right. <laughs> uh, but yeah, yeah was, and that that particular episode. Mm-hmm. Oh, here we go. <laughs> <laughs> it really, I mean, it does. It, it uses the story of the goat sucker to talk more about uh, refugee mm-hmm. topics and things like that. But, yeah. but yeah, I mean, that's, um, well, the, it's the Chupacabra is such a pop culture figure. Yes. And it's it's kind of like <clears throat> what we're witnessing with Mothman. Now, I think Chupacabra in some ways was the original Mothman because it was more of a pop cultural figure right from the very beginning. Sure. It yeah. was embraced by, all sorts of people like cartoonists and comic books and Mm -hmm. movies and shows. So like I read, I have two comic books I read with Chupacabra as a main character. Like it was in (laughs) Mythbusters, if I'm not mistaken, then it was in another one. Yeah. I cannot remember of, I have a stuffed version of the Chupacabra that is in Tommy's room from that, from that comic book. But I think it's always been a very like popular figure in, in, media yes yeah that's absolutely true and that was even true of the original local setting mm-hmm. i mean that there's a um a radio interview i'm not we're going to talk about today but a, a native of puerto rico said you know within months of this happening there were two chupacabra songs people were selling t-shirts and i mean it it started there mm-hmm. it was embraced there in that sort of pop culture way and that perfect crest of of new media especially internet just made it explode and and it i just find that interesting that even in the place uh, where this was causing quite a bit of panic and and people were legitimately scared by what was happening they there was also that immediate embrace of it like there were students in college of puerto rican descent you know were going back home coming back to college with chupacabra t-shirts and like selling them to their friends and stuff. And, and that was just right away um, embraced mm. and truly took on a life of its own. I think in part because it was the original Chupacabra was so bizarre and different. It seemed like something else had arrived in the world. You know, it wasn't like, here's a giant rat or, or you know, it's just some... <laughs> This is like completely different. And, you know, people use the word chimera sometimes to describe what it might be mm. because it is such a mishmash of details, like a alien gray's head and a lizard body with bat wings. I mean, you've got the closest thing I can think of that even corresponds to that are some of the, the illustrations of the Jersey devil. Yeah. 
where it's these all these features just sort of patched on to each other. But again, the Jersey Devil's tied to the Pine Barrens in New Jersey. And it's so interesting to me that the Chupacabra gets so far beyond where it originated and and then gains this popularity that is across the country, Puerto Rico and northern United States. That's, that's weird to me, too, because even something like Mothman, which I referenced earlier, yeah, you got sightings in, like, Chicago. They're... It's not like every place is kind of claiming a sighting of the Mothman mm-hmm. to this extent, whereas sightings of Chupacabra, they, they're big, like they're taking place all over the place. Yeah. What was really striking to me was, now I'll, I'll just say this now, I, I listened to a uh, March 96 episode of Coast to Coast AM with Art Bell, mm-hmm. where he talks to a, a young man named Tito Armstrong from Puerto Rico who set up what many people think is the first Chupacabra website. He was a student at Princeton University at the time. But the, let's say more about that in a second. But it was so interesting to listen because Mothman came up. A caller called in and referenced the book, The Mothman Prophecies. But you could just tell that in 1996, there was not at all widespread penetration of Mothman in the public consciousness because, and this is my own speculation, but because the movie, The Mothman yeah. Prophecies, had not been released yet. Yeah, And I would say we, we know Mothman as we do today, culturally, largely on the strength of that film. Mm-hmm. And then everything that it brought to bear, you know, the, the rise of the Mothman Festival, and everything really happened after that. Mm-hmm. Because even even Art Bell's comments about the book, The Mothman Prophecies, show that at that point, he was not really conversant in what had happened. And you can just tell in the way that he describes, like summarizes the events in Point Pleasant. He kind he of knew, no <laughs> but he yeah. didn't really know. Yeah. And I think he later on absolutely did, because mm-hmm. he interviewed Keel, yeah. which I just found out about and have to listen to that now. But Point being that I think you're right that the with with Chupacabra it there was no really preceding event that people kind of knew about and then later on the Chupacabra story went big it mm-hmm. happened and went big basically simultaneously in a way that I don't think anything has before I mean even like Bigfoot and newspaper reports there is still lag time with that but this is like as things are happening and developing it's going from taking place in puerto rico being posted on a website and anybody has access to that now essentially in real time and that's the that's what changes the game in the the chupacabra's case because it's really interesting to hear this interview with um with tito armstrong and art bell i mean because this is march 96 mm-hmm. within months you know really within one year's time of the very first reports of just exsanguinated animals being mm-hmm. discovered he's talking to this young man and it would be awesome to find out if he's still around and contactable because you know, the this college student who created the website and posted stuff up there uh is very much he falls very much into the small town monsters camp of I'm just compiling the stories because all these callers and even Art Bell himself are like hammering him to 
say, what do you think this is? Yeah. Or do you think it does this or that? Or yeah. what are your, its behaviors? And he's like, look, I can't tell you what that what it is. I have no idea. I'm just saying my family in Puerto Rico is feeding me these stories. I'm posting them. This is what Draw your own conclusions. Yeah. So it would be fascinating if he was still around and willing to talk <laughs> to get him on. Because I think he shares a lot, at least at the time of this interview, he shares a lot of the same sort of evaluation standpoints well, that we do. I mean, that brings up so what what are the what are what are people saying the the um chupacabra is because when i'm reading those types of articles so the ones i've got in front of me you know i and this this would bring up some topics actually that we should maybe discuss on the show at some point but the bbc did an article that almost entirely just focuses on ben radford mm-hmm. um and and it, it seems like he's just kind of pointing toward dogs with mange, mangy coyotes, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. That still doesn't necessarily explain away what people were seeing in like 96. Yes. Um, because what they were seeing tended to walk on its hind legs. Right. Um, I don't think those two things have any correspondence. Actually. Yeah. Okay, why? Well, the description and the behavior just mm-hmm. doesn't match. I mean, mm-hmm. I don't see how any, there's any reasonable way that, the Puerto Rican creature aligns with a canine. It just doesn't, they're not even the same in the same ballpark. Okay. And this is, this is where I want to, this is a, this is a rabbit trail. We probably don't want to spend too much time on mm-hmm. this. Is, it has nothing to do with this topic, but I'm reading this article with Radford and it strikes me that what he, what it seems like to me, and I'm not making a judgment call on him because I don't know him. Everything I've heard about him is that he's a very nice guy. I know mm-hmm. he, he gave some video to, to Alex for right. our champ series and stuff. But it just seems like he's trying to come up with a hook, like his own, you know, if, if Joel Nichols, the owl guy, then yeah. Radford apparently is going to be mangy coyote man. Mm-hmm. Like it's really hard for me to take skeptics seriously that are in this camp where, where they've made a living out of debunking things mm-hmm. because so much of the time I just feel like they were trying to put their own stamp on these topics. So rather than coming at things scientifically and trying to, to debunk it a rational way, they're coming at it with, well, what can my angle be? Hmm. Like, do you ever get that sense? Well, yeah, I mean, the, and it's, a, I would think that's especially easy in the case of the Southern United States chupacabra, because mm-hmm. it's clearly what it is. It's, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and that's a slam dunk. Yeah. If you're being a skeptic, you're looking at, um, you know, just uh, it's a coyote with mange. It's a coyote with mange. Or oh, just a weird wild dog, you know. Yeah. I don't know what it is, but but yeah, I think certainly if you can develop, uh, this sounds dismissive. I don't mean it that way, but if you, your shtick is I'm the level-headed guy who can explain this yeah. in um, in terms that will show you what it quote unquote really is, mm-hmm. and you develop a reputation based on that, then yeah, I mean you'll you'll get your foot in the door to being the go-to talking head who like explains it all. Like in, how is that any rational different terms. from, from Bigfoot or, or any paranormal quote unquote expert? How's that any different then? It's because just, it's you're a, probably like yeah. nine times out of 10, you're no more right than, than a Bigfooter. <laughs> sure. So like how did the, it's just, well, it, it's this, it's the other side of the same coin. Okay. Really? When you, yeah, yeah. I, the way I think of it, because it's, um, and let's face it. I mean, it's, it appeals to our sense of what's reasonable mm-hmm. 
the another emotional appealing part to that is it's it's comforting if mm-hmm. you're somebody who's frightened by the thought of chupacabra in its original sort of a description and then somebody comes along and says don't worry you know it's just a wild dog well then okay that's something i can more easily handle so i think there's there's almost like a therapeutic benefit to that approach as well where people are you know, please explain this to me in terms that I can understand. And okay. if so, then it's easy for easier for me to deal with. Okay. I, people want to hear that. <clears throat> so possibilities, hypotheses about what what it really was yeah. or is. See, I, my theory is it's some sort of bat was was my from the, just based solely on those initial accounts, yeah. like a vampire bat. Right. Which are, which are real. Which are real. That they, are has they, the benefit of being yeah, actual <laughs> animals. Yes. Um and, the, and behaviorally, terrifying. it is, it is. I mean, it, and I thought about that too, because to me, it, if you're going to say what real world animal does this most closely resemble, not necessarily in, in physical description, but certainly in behavior, it have to be a vampire bat because it does the same thing. In the, in the cases where people have seen this thing, like hovering over an animal, it's doing what a vampire bat would do, which is not like chewing the flesh of the creature, but lapping up the blood, mm-hmm. which is what a vampire bat, that's how they feed, is mm. gross. incision and start licking the blood up as fast as you can. Get out. <laughs> I mean, and from a size perspective, I mean, for that to overlap with the size that people are describing a chupacabra, it'd have to be a gigantic bat. But then I thought, you know, the way people typically react to bats is abject terror. I mean, I don't recall seeing a whole lot of people just sort of calmly observing bats, especially if they're flying around you. If anything, my experience has been people react hysterically to bats, Mm. which then if you have a bat that's like a foot wide from tip to tip and it's flying at you, you know, what are people going to say? Oh, it was like three feet wide, right? I mean, in the in the moment, they're going to conflate that in their own experience. So, I mean, that that's one. I am very comfortable saying that at least some of these were were vampire bat sightings, and maybe an unusually large bat. I mean, Puerto Rico has rainforest. It's not out. And if you've ever been to the zoo and seen like those fruit bats. Those things are gigantic. Yeah, they're terrifying. Yeah, they're really. I don't. So if you had like a, a fruit bat slash vampire bat. Yeah. No. <laughs> no, thanks. Um, we, we had a bunch of people comment on this on Facebook. We're going to start trying to do this more often to get get our listeners and and uh, STM uh, addicts uh, to, to chime in on these topics we're yeah. discussing. So I'm going to go through some of these real quick. Sure. And most of them are talking about their own theories as to what, what it was. So Lisa Russell said, I don't think the explanation of a dog with mange is logical that in no way accounts for animals being drained of blood. Witnesses might have sometimes seen a dog with mange or some other unhealthy known animal. I buy my misidentification, but when people throw out uh, throw that out as the only explanation. They never account for the missing blood. I lean more in the direction of the conspiracy theory of a government experiment on this one or alien. That's always a pretty solid guess when it comes to cryptids. Uh, Jerry Polly just said my ex-wife. Um, <laughs> I have. S- <laughs> 
Chris Fox, I have seen the canine that people claim is the chupacabra three times here in Texas. I don't know about them being the chupa, but they definitely look a a lot different than any dog or coyote I've ever seen. Mm -hmm. Omi says the chupacabra of Puerto Rico and the chupacabra of the Southwest are two entirely different things. While the original descriptions of the chupacabra in Puerto Rico are fascinating, the reports from the Southwest and evidence don't have me sold. It gets very, very dry in the Southwest, enough for me to have a handful of creepy photos of alleged chupacabra bodies that are nothing more than a coyote or stray dog. Decomposition and mange do things very differently in an area with less yearly rainfall than an average single-day rain on the East Coast. If researchers focus on the Puerto Rico sightings, I think we'll make more headway. Uh, Travis J. Hill, cartoonist, says, I'd love to hear you guys read slash rap this. Apparently he wrote this. I'm going to make you do this. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. So Mark's going to do it, Travis. <laughs> okay. I am go. not going to attempt to rap this. Oh, come on, I'm Mark. not. No, I, I will not. Right. But I, I will. I'll, I'll um, rap it. I'll no. poetry slam it. All right. There we go. <laughs> If you're an old cowhand from the Rio Grande, Southwest Roadkill are loco along the borderland. In the Lone Star State, Chupa may mutilate and leave your herd drained of blood on the sand. Chupacabra's casa is home, home on the range, where the farm animals are all acting muy strange. (laughs) A vampire outer spacey or Puerto Rican lab escapee, Mexican hairless or wily coyotes with mange. La Chupacabra, La Chupacabra, that translates as the goat sucker. I don't know that word. (laughs) He gives a killer hickey with his mouth pucker. Better mind your flock, it's after livestock, an alien, a predator, he's sure one ugly mother. (laughs) All right, that was Travis J. Hill, cartoonist. uh, If anyone wants to lay down a beat to that and post it. Please don't. Please Please do. Uh, Travis also said Lauren Coleman posits that it's rather coincidental that Chupacabra sightings happen the same year species premiered that H.R. Geiger design is very similar. I don't know about that. Seems like a stretch. Look, what do you think about that? Does that look like Chupacabra? Mm. Tell me, is that Chupacabra? No, I don't. I'd have to say no. Okay. Um, all right. Uh, very interesting stuff. Where do you want to go to end up? We get, we got to close out. Okay. Well, I just think that the, from a folklore standpoint, there's a lot here mm-hmm. to um, sift through, and it's really super intriguing for that reason. I do want to also mention by name uh, a UFO researcher and a cryptozoologist by the name of Scott Corrales, mm-hmm. who was also um, very much involved in going to Puerto Rico and talking to witnesses and doing the type of on-the-scene investigation that I think was extremely important in the early days of this. And uh, that's somebody that Coleman does name check in like cryptozoology, A to Z. What's, what's really like, I, and I've, I guess I've sort of said this already, but I think what you have in this case is um, both old and new media sort of combining into making this a uh, household topic within months of it happening, which was unprecedented at the time. Now it's old hat. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's nothing now for somebody like BFRO to have an experience. And within days, you have snippets of the, that video widely available via the internet. 
Uh, we're used to that now. But in 1996, this was a big deal. And it's so funny to hear like Art Bell talking about get in our chat room and it's going to be so big. We're going to have to clone the chat room to get in here and talk about this. You can just hear like at that time in the mid nineties, how much, how like avant-garde this was to be talking about folklore and cryptozoology via this new medium. Mm -hmm. And it really did. I mean, it entered the pop culture almost instantly. And I think maybe if there's anything that explains how you get that jump from a lizard, batwing, alien face creature to a dog mm -hmm. is that has as much explanatory power as anything is that, well, the story is moving northward, right? From Puerto Rico to Mexico to the southern United States and then up the coasts. Well, it's just going to get this weird thing that we're now seeing that's attacking animals. We're going to give it that same name. Mm. Somebody decided along the way, maybe that's the chupacabra. I mean, I think that as mundane as that is, I think that's partially what happened. That as the story is migrating northward and you have weird things happening in the southern United States, it just sort of collided there. And so people started using that same name. And maybe they didn't, they weren't even fully cognizant of what chupacabra was in its original setting. The other thing that I found, found really fascinating is that as Art Bell's talking about this case, and he's talking also on there about how it's being covered by the news. And a lot of, a lot of people saw it, a lot of TV stations reported on chupacabra. For whatever reason, you know, even to this day, although this is lessening, when news reporters and anchors are talking about UFOs, it's always like with a snicker or little green men, ha ha ha. And from the beginning, Chupacabra seemed to be covered with much more seriousness than the UFO topic. Mm -hmm. And I, I don't know what that says, except that for some reason it appeared more plausible, even to outlets that typically tend to look down their noses at unexplained topics. Mm -hmm. So uh, maybe it's the fact that it seemed to be like a relatively real animal that helped it to be treated that way. But uh, the fact remains that the uh, goat sucker stories are still very much with us. I mean, it's to the point where there's stuffed animals and, and figures, and it's a trope that can be used in storytelling. And I think um, you know, what, what Lauren Coleman does bring out in both Cryptozoology A to Z and then Mothman and other curious encounters is that this is a case where, you know, in the mid 90s, Latino voices were being listened to with seriousness, you know, and that hadn't always happened or, or we weren't even cognizant that there were UFO flaps happening over Mexico City. And now with it, the, the Internet is sort of single handedly responsible for bringing their findings and their stories to a much wider audience. Mm. That was the Chupacabra. This is Monsteropolis. Uh, if you want to watch it, don't forget, sign up to watch it on Squad. Some of the old episodes are going to launch onto YouTube as well, just so you can watch them free. Um, I don't know when I'll have time to do that. It's going to be it's going to be quite a while. Make sure you're you're checking out uh, the YouTube channel in the next couple of weeks because we're going to post that Beast of Whitehall director's cut. It's um, I think it's going to be really cool. I think people are going to enjoy it. It's the it's the movie that you all know and love, but it's going to have additions and flesh out some things as well, including Frank McFerrin sh citing the shooting that I think is really mm. cool. Mm -hmm. um, 
That does it for this week. We'll be back next week. Bye.